The only way to have a friend is to be one, said Emerson or Shakespeare or the Bible or Ann Landers. Man's best friend is in need of a dog indeed. I came through when that cretin Charlie Bates started whining. You're my friend, Earl. You're the only friend I ever had. I got him what he wanted. I helped him. You'd think that means something, wouldn't you? I could have kicked him out. Hell, I could have refused to let him in in the first place. Sprawled out in the hallway the way he was. In the hallway, for Christ's sake. You've got to understand about the Broadmoor. It's one of those ultra-chic apartment buildings with a dollar sign facade and a very visible security force. You can look through the glass doors and see this posh lobby with original artwork on the walls. The people going in and out wear expensive notice-me clothing. No t-shirts and blue jeans at the Broadmoor. Of course, inside the apartments, the rooms are tiny. The kitchen's better suited to dollhouses, and the closet's downright microscopic. But the address is right, and the tenants who pay the extortionate rents are clearly on their way up. At the Broadmoor, appearances count. So how do you think I felt when I came home from work and found this slob sitting on the hallway floor and leaning against my door and breathing out enough whiskey fumes to make the place a fire hazard and burbling? Hi, Earl. It's your old buddy, Charlie Bates. Come to visit? How'd you get past security downstairs? Gave the man my last ten bucks. So much for the Broadmoor security system. Charlie's getting by the guard somehow failed to surprise me. It seemed a proper climax to a week in which just about everything that could go wrong in my life did. Murphy's Law in 24-hour operation. If Chicken Little had showed up just then, squawking his message of doom, I'd have believed him. Charlie Bates on my doorstep just capped the week. I knew why the guard had let him in. The guard then on duty was a sour-faced man who looked down his nose at everyone who crossed his path. Ten bucks wasn't enough to buy him off. I'd once offered him a ten-dollar tip. He looked at me the way a king looks at a worm, and then turned his back and walked away. He'd let drunken down at the heel Charlie Bates into the building just to embarrass me. The guard resented me the way he resented all tenants. I lived in the Broadmoor, and he worked there, and that made the difference. One look at Charlie Bates was enough to tell the guard or anyone else that here was a grade-A number one loser. Charlie was one of those people you spend your life trying to avoid. He broadcast gloom and defeat wherever he went, Joe What's-His-Face and Little Abner. Nothing Charlie ever tried had worked out for him. The first time I ever saw him, we were both fifteen, and he was getting hell from a woodshop teacher at Peabody High School. Our buddyship began to bud when I slipped him some answers for a math test we were both taking. Thereafter, he attached himself to me like a shadow. Charlie was useful. He was good for running errands, and he fought most of my fights for me. His first venture into high finance came when he was sixteen, and he talked the local mafia lieutenant into letting him write numbers at the high school. He'd just gotten started when the state lottery came along and took most of his customers away from him. I don't think another numbers writer in Pittsburgh was hurt by the lottery because the mafia gave better odds than the state. But Charlie was wiped out in two weeks. Nothing improved after that. The pattern was set. Work, family, friends. One by one, they all let Charlie down. His version. The other version was that Charlie took and took and took and never produced anything in return.
Two of Charlie's three fathers-in-law had financed a couple of his penny-ante-business schemes, only to see their money go straight down the drain. Over the years, Charlie had hit just about everybody he knew for a loan, or an investment at least once, and then wondered why he didn't have any friends left. He'd moan and mutter something melodramatic about suicide and shame some soft-hearted, soft-headed soul into advancing him a few more bucks. Charlie Bates was a taker, but not a very efficient one. You might as well invest your money in surfboards for Bedouins, for all the good it did Charlie. The only reason I still put up with him was that I'd never let him take anything from me. In retrospect, I guess I'd have to say Charlie Bates served a purpose in my life.